Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. If we look through history, we find that most of the great moves of history do not happen because of groups. Most of them happen because of one person. God is looking for one person, or many one persons. He doesn't start with groups. He starts with one person at a time. Pastor Todd takes us through the scriptures to show us a few of the one persons that God called, God worked through, and God began a significant movement that changed the world. It doesn't matter what that one person thinks of themselves. God calls, God empowers, God guarantees results. God often picks people who may not be looking for him. You may not know that God is going to pick you to go for him to start something new. Other times, he is looking for people who want more of him. He is looking for people who are praying. He is looking for people who would prophesy to a nation. He is looking for someone who would lead others even when no one is following. He is looking for one who would choose God's truth over political correctness. God is looking for one who knows that his kingdom is here now on earth and not just some future idea. He is looking for people who believe that they can heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. God may be calling you as one person to make a difference. Let's listen in as Pastor Todd reveals the truth about the character of Jesus, our obedience, and about speaking the truth in love. Please listen to the end for some important information. Man, I got I to gotta talk to you guys today because I believe God has something to say to you individually today. I believe God is looking for one. God is looking for one in this room. And I don't think it's just one person. I think it's many ones, but you may be that one. So I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about what I think the move of God is right now going on around us. Listen, if you look into our history, crowds of people typically don't change history. Crowds of people don't make things happen. One does. One starts something. One moves in a direction. One gets something going. One expresses a thought. One takes up a challenge. One moves in a direction. See, it's very easy for us to be on fire when everybody's on fire. The question is, is it easy for you to be on fire when nobody's on fire, when it's just you, when you're by yourself? And so I want you to take a look at you today because I think what happens is God is looking for people right now. He's looking for the one. He's looking for you. And you may not know it's you. You may not think it's you. You may not have any reason to believe it's you. And yet God is out there looking for you. He's looking for the one. He's looking for the fire starter. He's looking for the one who will believe. He's looking for the one who has faith. He's looking for the one that will move, the one that he could use. And I want to show you some people in the Bible today that I think had really no clue, no clue that God was working his way to them to choose that one for what he had. And I think we're in that same kind of situation. Open your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Judges first. Book of Judges chapter 6. I want to kind of set this up. In Judges chapter 6, there is an enemy of the Israelites known as the Midianites. And the Midianites are doing battle and they're crushing and they're striking fear and terror. And, And God has sent his people through a time of judgment. And now it's time for a deliverer. And God has decided it's time to go in and it's time to take down these Midianites. And so he chooses one. 
He chooses one to go after him. It's a man named Gideon, and I want you to hear Gideon's story. I'm going to be in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Judges 6, 11. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't, say, you didn't give us enough time. Okay, Judges 6, 11. Watch this. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree that was at Ophrah, not the TV show which belonged to Joash the Abarazite, the son of Gibeon, was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. Get the picture. He's in a wine press beating out wheat because he doesn't want the Midianites to see and get the wheat. Oh, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. While you sit afraid in the wine press, beating out the wheat, you are a valiant warrior. You know Gideon looked up and said, Amen, let's go. (laughs) Then Gideon says to him, Oh Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his miracles, which the Father told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us, and he's given us into the hand of the Midian. If he had any clue who he was talking to, Me, valiant warrior, God's not even on our side. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? I don't care if you think you're not a warrior. I just called you a warrior, and what comes out of my mouth is truth, so you are a warrior. And he said to him, Oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least of Manasseh. Now listen to what he's saying. There are 12 tribes, at this time 13, because Joseph had two, Ephraim and Manasseh. He is part of Manasseh. So there are the tribes that God has gone through the tribes. He's gone through the tribes to decide, how am I going to deliver everyone from the Midianite? Who's the one that I'm going to pick? I go to the tribe of Manasseh, which might even be considered one of the least of the tribes. And he says, I'm in the least in Manasseh. Even in my tribe, my family is one of the most, the least prominent people here. And he says, I'm the youngest in my father's house. Dude, if you want to get somebody to go to battle and be a valid, where? Pick my older brother. Pick my, please, pick my older brother. He says, I'm the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord says to him, surely, listen to me, I'll be with you. And you will defeat Midian as, how many? As one man. God was looking for one man. You will defeat them as one man. So Gideon said to him, if I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that you who speak to me. Please do not part from here until I come back to you and I bring you an offering and lay it before you. And he said, I'll remain until you return. Listen, he goes on to take this one man to go against the Midianites without an army, without weaponry. He says, let's whittle this thing down to 300 peoples with clay pots and torches, and we'll go to battle. God was looking for one man, one man. And it didn't matter what the man thought of himself. Let me show you another guy, David. Let's go, let's go forward. Let's go to the book of Samuel. Samuel chapter 16. Here's what's going on. We have a king. His name is Saul. 
Saul is head and shoulders above everybody else, but Saul hasn't followed God. Saul has made some decisions where he disrespected what he was told to do by God, and God says, your kingdom's going to come to an end, and I'm going to give it to another. So here's the scene. God is looking for the next king of Israel. Now remember, they've had Saul stood head and shoulders above them, led them in many battles, but disobeyed and is going to be removed. So who's next? We're looking for this great king that's going to replace Saul. I'm going to be in 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being the king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he's going to kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and come to the sacrifice of the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do, and you shall anoint for me the one who I've designated to you. Now, what he just said was, how am I going to go anoint another king if Saul is still king? And he says, go and make a sacrifice and just invite Jesse to come, the family of Jesse to come to that sacrifice. So Samuel did what the Lord said in four, and he came to Bethlehem. And the elder of the city came trembling to meet him and said, do you come in peace? And he said, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Why? Because one of his sons is going to be anointed as the next king. And when they entered, he looked at Elab and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So he's gone into Jesse's house and Jesse has many sons. And the first son he sees is one named Eliab, who apparently has the appearance of somebody who could be king. So he looks at Eliab and he says, um, this is the one that surely God is anointing. But the Lord said to Samuel in seven, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I've rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. God's looking at man's looking at the outward appearance, but the Lord is looking at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Just this, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen these. Can you imagine a father with eight sons? And uh, the, the prophet comes and says, we're going to anoint one of your sons king. So he's starting at the oldest, saying, surely it's my oldest boy. No. My next one, no. My next one, no. Goes through all of his sons until he's got one left. Thus Jesse made his seven sons pass. Now 11. And Samuel says to Jesse, are these all your kids? <laughs> I love that. Is this all you got? <laughs> I didn't find him here. Is this all you got? And he says, well, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send him and bring him here. For we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now this kid was ruddy. He had beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Get the picture. God was looking for a king. God went through all of the tribes. He goes into the tribe of Judah, into the family of Jesse. He goes into Jesse's family. Everybody could have figured out who it should be. It should be the oldest son. He goes through all the sons and says, no, I want the ruddy little kid that's out there tending sheep, the youngest. That's the one. So he brings King David in and anoints King David. He's a shepherd. He's got seven older brothers. Do you not think that's the lousiest job in the family that they gave to the little kid? Go out and watch the sheep. That's exciting. That's a training ground. You're going to be ready to become a king because you're a sheep watcher. 
doesn't happen that way. Samuel comes in and says, that's the one. God was looking for that one because everybody else was looking at the outward appearance, but God was looking at the heart. And you know what he said about this one's heart? This one's heart is right to be king. So it doesn't matter what his job is. It doesn't matter who his brothers are. It doesn't matter what the qualifications of a king are. God's qualification is your heart right. Because if your heart right, I can take you and make you a king. If your heart's right, I can take you and make you one of the greatest kings. If your heart's right, your son can end up building a temple for me. If your heart's right, you can be King David. Even though today you're just watching sheep. Let's go look at somebody else. Let's go look at Moses. Let's go back to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. So here's the deal. We have a guy named Moses. He's put in a basket in a river when he's a little kid. Why? Because the leader of the land is killing all the children. And his family's trying to save him. So they put him in a basket and let him flow down the river. And what happens is someone in Pharaoh's house picks him up. Says, hey, let's raise him in the house of Pharaoh. And so he gets raised in the house of Pharaoh. How great is that? Have you ever fallen on that dream job? Have you ever been picked for that perfect thing? Has money just ever come to you? Have you ever had that glory time in your life when it's all good? He's raised in the house of Pharaoh. He doesn't deserve any of that. Then one day he's out watching the people. And while he's watching his own people be beat by the Egyptians, he decides to take up defense for them and kills an Egyptian. So now in the glory moment, he becomes a murderer. This guy's life just took a major turn, just a major fall. What does he do? He runs. He runs from Egypt. He runs because he knows when Pharaoh finds out he killed an Egyptian, Pharaoh's going to have him killed. So he leaves. He goes across the desert. He goes all the way over to a place called Midian. And in Midian, guess what kind of job he takes there? He's a shepherd. He's a sheep watcher. He stands out in the field and watches smelly animals. That's his job. Can you imagine what it's like to go from being in the palace of Pharaoh in Egypt to sitting out in a field with smelly animals? Have you ever lost that big job? Have you ever lost that prominent position and had to go work at the convenience store? How does that feel? You're like, man, I was cut out for more than this, but this is what I got to do now. So one day he's out tending the sheep, and here's what happens. Now Joseph was pastoring the flock. Uh, Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the midst of a bush, and he looked, and he beheld... The bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. <laughs> is that like a, uh, we just got into Moses' head for a minute? Hey, that bush is not burning. I should turn aside and go see what's going on with that bush. And the Lord saw Moses turned aside to look. Can I just, can I camp on that for a second? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look... When God saw that Moses said, something of God is happening over there, I want to go over there, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near me. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place that you're standing is holy ground. And he said, 
This is out of the bush. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land which is a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression which is on the Egyptians that are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Can I just ask you this question? If God is going to look to deliver his people who are in bondage out of Egypt, why would he pick a murderer who ran away who is herding sheep in another country? Because God was looking for one man. He was looking for the one. The one that he had chosen to go back and watch this. Be the symbol of Christ to the people. He was going to go back and deliver them from their bondage. He was going to take them out of their bondage to a promised land. Moses, a guy sitting in the convenience store... God comes to and says, you're going to deliver the people to a promised land. You're going to have a prominent spot in all of history now. I came looking for you. You know Pharaoh. You know that house. Go back there and get those people out of there. He came looking for the one. I'm asking you, do you think Moses thought he was ready to be the person to deliver the people out of Egypt? No. He was a murderer in hiding watching sheep. And God said, you're who I'm looking for. You're the one I'm looking for. You, you sitting there in the field hiding from the Egyptians, hiding from your past, hiding from that past glory you have, feeling like a failure sitting over here in Midian. You, the one who thought your life was over, that the prominent time of what you did was done. You who thought you were in your retirement were going to take it easy watching sheep. No, no, I pick you and you're going to come out of here and you're going to go back. You're going to go back and you're going to do a great and mighty thing. Let's go to the New Testament, book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, we're talking about Peter. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus has come to the earth. Jesus is going to save the earth from its bondage and affliction to Satan. Jesus is going to make a way for us to all spend an eternity with God. Jesus is going to be our Savior, our Lord and King, and he comes back to this earth. And Jesus has decided he's going to assemble a group of men. So he obviously went to the head of the state and to the government officials and to the highest ranking people he could find so that he could use them to rally the people around his line of thinking. 4.18. Now as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. He saw Simon, which was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. I'm glad they were fishermen since they were casting nets into the sea. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. Listen, this is what just happened. In that culture, there are rabbis, there are teachers. They train you. They allow you to go into uh, the work of the priest. But if that isn't what's cut out for you, you go fish. 
So here's a guy that's fishing. He's just doing his job. Every day, he goes and gets in the boat, and he casts a net out, and he's looking to gather some fish to sell and to feed his family. He's just doing his job. We don't know anything about Peter. He has no amazing past. He has nothing spectacular. He wasn't raised in a palace. He was just an ordinary person doing an ordinary job. But Jesus was looking for one. One who would follow and one who could make a fisher of men. And he chose Peter. And he said, Peter, on the things you say and believe, I'm going to build my church. Peter was one of those ones. Watch this. Peter, at one point in his life, not only delivers the gospel for the first time and 3,000 people come to Christ, but watch. He could walk by people and they would put him in his shadow because his shadow would heal them. He was a fisherman. He was catching fish every day. He was just doing his job, but Jesus was looking for one. And he said, it's you. It's you. I don't care if you think you're just a fisherman. I don't care if you had a glorious and amazing past. I don't care if you're the runt of your family. If I pick you, it's you. And what I'm looking for is your heart. And if your heart is right, I'm going to pick you. And when I pick you, I'm going to do great and amazing things with you. We can look at people that he picked. Think about this Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. One guy who stood up and said, hey, this doesn't seem to be that the Christian walk and the scripture agree. Let's go take a look at this thing. And an entire reformation begins. But one lady gets on a bus and sits down and says, I'm not going to sit on the back of the bus. Her name was Rosa. She was just a person that got off work that day and didn't want to sit in the back of the bus. Whew. How about William Seymour? William Seymour uh, and, and Edward Lee. Uh, they're in California and they decide to be on fire for God and the Azusa Street Revival starts. Well, picked one. He was just looking for somebody, somebody whose heart was open, somebody who wanted to be picked, somebody who didn't even know they were qualified, somebody who didn't even know they were going to be picked, somebody that was sitting in church on a Sunday morning and had no idea what God was about to do with them. No idea. Listen, you're sitting there today and you're saying, I don't know that God has any big plan for me. I don't care what you know. What I care is what God knows about you because he's going to come to you and he's going to say, I picked you. I picked you. I picked you and we're going to do things. And God is out there looking for those people. He's looking for those people who have a heart for him. He's looking for those people whose heart in the right place. I think he's looking for those people who would pray all night long and not think it was a great accomplishment. He's looking for those people who would share the gospel even with the people they know really well. I think he's looking for those people who would prophesy to a nation in the courage of what the Holy Spirit told them to say. I think he's looking for those people who would lead others even when nobody's going with them. They would still lead in the name of God. Why? Because he was picked. Because God said, it's you. I've chosen you. You didn't know I was going to choose. You don't think you're qualified, but I picked you. I'm looking for the one. I'm looking for the one who would repent on a daily basis. 
who would say, God, I can be holier. God, I'm sorry my mind wasn't with you today. God, I'm sorry how I, God, I repent. I want to be changed. I want to be new. I want to be sanctified. I want to move forward in you every day. I, I think one, God is looking for the one who would choose God's truth over political tolerance and correctness. That would just say, this is right. I think God is looking for one that knows that the kingdom of God is here and not some future idea. How can you move and work in the kingdom you don't think has come? And Jesus said, a kingdom of God is in your midst. I usher in the kingdom of God. I will not eat the supper with you again until I do. We don't get time for that. I think God is looking for people who believe, who believe they can heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead, and cast out a demon. You will come to me and you will say, oh, listen, only God has the power to cleanse a leopard or raise someone from the dead. I'm not disagreeing with you, but this is what he told them. You go cleanse a leopard, raise the dead, heal the sick. You go do this. I think God is looking for someone who believes they could go and do that, that they could walk out and heal. Oh, okay. Oh, go on. <laughs> I think God is looking for someone who wears their watch to church to see if the date changed. (laughs) Do you know how many people tell me, you guys have church for two hours? Nobody would go to church for two hours. Nobody that isn't on fire for God would go to church for two hours. (laughs) How many of you have had that time where you had a passionate moment of prayer with God where you were speaking and God was speaking and he came over you and you knew it was him and you walked away saying this is awesome (laughs) I think God is looking for people who not only have moments of passionate prayer but who live in passionate prayer who live in that relationship I think God is looking for those here we go You knew I was going to go there eventually. I think God is looking for those who give an offering when no offering is being taken. Do you see the amount of claps on that one? (laughs) Whatever, God doesn't need my money. You want me to tell you what a blessing is in a pastor? When somebody shows up in the middle of the week and hands you an envelope and says, God bless me this week and I can't wait till Sunday. I know their heart's right. I know their heart's right because for them, it's like, I've gotten a blessing. I got to take care of God first. So I'm going to go right down there right now and take care of it. Listen, I think God is looking for people who know what their carpet smells like. Why? Because they're on their face in prayer on a regular basis. I think God is looking for people who believe he wants to start a revival. I think God is looking for people who know the end time is near and the spirit is about to be poured out in a way it never has and they don't want to be left behind. I think God is looking for people whose hearts are opened up to what he says they need to do and they're willing to do it just because he said do it. And I think God is looking for people who don't question every time God tells them something, was that really God? How irritating is that when your children say, do you really want me to do that? Do you really want me to do that? Do you really want me to do that? I would not have told you to do that if I didn't really want you to do that. 
And I think God is looking at us saying, I'm telling you what to do and you're not doing it. Listen to me. I think God is looking for one. And it's not just one person in this room. Every person in this room has the potential to be the one that he's looking for today. How do I know that? Because none of these people knew it was them. None of them knew it was them. They were going about their life and their job and their their attempts to start another life or whatever it is. They didn't think I'm the next king. They didn't think I'm the deliverer of the people. They didn't think I'm going to be following the Savior around for three years. None of them thought that. They thought they were just doing their thing. Guess what you're doing? Your thing. But you don't know what God is doing right now. Because this is what I believe God is doing. He's picking you. Right now, he's picking you. And he's going to come to you and he's going to say, your heart's right. Your heart is right. And therefore, I'm going to do great things with you. You're going to walk by people and they're going to get healed. Oh, come on, Todd. Yes, you're going to walk by people and they're going to get healed. You're going to walk into a room and the atmosphere of the room is going to change because you're there. I think he's looking for people who aren't necessarily interested in bringing and talking about the presence of God, but bringing it into the room. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We are excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Get It Together. So why is marriage so hard for people? Why do wonderful couples fall in love, believe that they are perfect for each other, and then step into a nightmare? Why are there advertisements on social media and even on highway billboards for good divorce attorneys? And more importantly, why do you struggle to make something work when you believe it should be so easy? Get It Together is an exploration of the design and concept of marriage. It is direct, to the point, and scriptural. God clearly explains his design for marriage. So we just need to learn his design. This book lays out what is actually a very simple fix for most struggling marriages. You will be amazed at how easy it is to begin the journey to an enjoyable, fulfilling, and exciting marriage by learning how to get it together. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoy this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.